evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Raising Bulls brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network, Golden Gold Press, and Roughneck Scarves. We are the only podcast dedicated to the New York Red Bulls 2 of USL Championship. Tonight, we're going to be talking about a win that briefly put New York Red Bulls 2 in first place, but uh, they're back in second after uh, Tampa Bay retook the top spot, but a win nonetheless. Um, we have a little bit of news around the league, uh, in particular with uh, some player movement within the New York Red Bulls 2 organization. We're going to be talking to first-year striker Matthias Jorensen. It sounds like <laughs> I pronounced his name wrong, but guess what, guys? That's how it's pronounced. Matthias Jorensen. I do make a fool out of myself, which you'll enjoy later when uh, we get to that section. And then we're going to preview the match against Hartford, and we'll look at the standings as always. Joining me tonight, uh, probably my favorite co-host, I would say, at this point. Only, by, by default, uh, Bill hasn't been here in many weeks, and uh, you know someone else has gone entirely. So, <laughs> hello, Steen. Hello, Joe. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, pretty good. Uh, another win this weekend. That's seven unbeaten now. Uh, and... Briefly reclaimed first uh, first place, as you mentioned, but uh, Tampa Bay took that back. But still, it's good to see them playing well with uh, at home and just in general. Yeah, I think that in terms of putting together a really solid performance from top to bottom, this was the perfect type of match for the team. They really... I mean, they got stretched once really badly, and we'll touch on that in a minute. Uh, but otherwise, they kept things really tight. They really didn't give up too many opportunities. Uh, Loro came up big when he had to, and they were clinical. They got their two goals. And whatever else happens this year, I think they have proved themselves to be one of the best teams in the East. And it's just a matter of staying consistent like they have over the last number of weeks. Yeah, uh, I thought this. I thought uh, John Christoph Kofi especially put a great performance in this game. Uh, I thought he really controlled the midfield. He's really taken on that kind of destroyer role, and he's he was put in some really good challenges. Um, Sebastian Elney combined really well with Edgardo Rito, especially in the first half. Uh, Rito really uh, got down um, down the wing and created a lot of chances with his crosses and when uh, Red Bulls threw a couple corners. But and you know the the goal in, in the first half. I mean, it was such a nice team goal. Um, some really nice passing, and Jared Stroud picks out Elony and he beats uh, Elony and he beats uh, the keeper near posts. Uh, and you know the second half, they really kind of just didn't. You know, they created a little bit, not as much as in the first half. But I thought they did a really good good job of preventing St. Louis. And then um, Bezacourt breaks really well, uh, gets tripped up. Uh, Umar gets sent off and he rattles a crossbar and then Elney's right there to tap in a second. So, I mean, the defense really wasn't required to do a lot in this game, but still they were able, the fact they were able to keep a clean sheet in this one, I think is something they can definitely build on. Well, there's two things that I looked at for the defense heading into this match. One of them was going to be how they handled any counters that St. Louis uh, tried to, to pull off. And, to their credit, they really only let one bad one behind them. Uh, I touched on that a, a moment ago. Um, oh, I didn't write down who it was, though. Uh, oof. I'll have to look back at it. Um, 
but Evan Loro makes a big kick save on that. Just, you know, running out, staying big. We've seen him do it a number of times this season. He was there again when they needed him most. But otherwise, uh, I wanted to see how the Red Bulls responded to a team that is very good on set pieces like St. Louis. And honestly, there wasn't really much trouble on the night. I think the beginning of the second half and maybe for about 20 minutes or so, St. Louis held possession. They were creating problems. They were looking to maybe combine and, and find holes. And they just were not able to do it. And I think if you're John Wolinek and you're, you're Evan Loro, you are very happy with the performance of the back line in this match, as you said. The other thing you mentioned was, was uh, Jean-Christophe Kofi, who I thought was terrific in this match. If you look back at the first goal uh, that you mentioned Yes, Stroud gets the assist, but that play only happens because Kofi steps in and makes a great, uh, it's not quite an interception or a tackle, but he just kind of strips the player um, and gets the ball forward and starts that movement. And without that, you know, Stroud doesn't get the ball at the top of the box and kind of have his moment. And huge amount of credit goes to Elney in this game. Earlier in the week, we found out Marcus Epps was going on loan. That opened the door for, for Elney and Ben Mines potentially to, to kind of look for additional playing time and kind of stake that spot as their own. And Elney in that first match out, I think, made a really strong case to continue to see starts out wide, which is something I've uh, lauded him for for, the, <laughs> for a couple of weeks now. I like seeing him out there almost as a second striker. But he does uh, provide a little bit of width as well because he's he's good on the ball. Um, maybe doesn't always make decisions as fast as I would like to see, but I think he's definitely got promised to be a bit of a menace from the outside, something that uh, Junior Flemings was for this team. Yeah, I think he's. I think his, you saw it in this game. His link-up play with his teammates was very good. There was, there was a couple nice flicks he had with Jared and uh, combination play with Jared and uh, with Kofi. And I touched on it earlier with Edgardo Rito. I thought he, you know, he and Rito combined very well on the outside. Uh, and John Wolniak touched on this at the end of the game that he, uh, when whenever uh, Elney starts, he seems to put in really good minutes. He, you know, he touched on the fact that it's, <clears throat> you know, he, he does a lot of things well. And, you know, they, they've tried to get him more minutes. Uh, obviously, with after the party now, uh, he will see, you know, continue to see more minutes if he continues to play that. But, it was it was t- it was telling that Wolniak had high praise for him when he starts as you know because as we know it's tough to come in off the bench and get you know you know get get a feel for the game and where it's going so uh, the fact that John spoke so highly of him after the match of how well he's played when he started I think bodes well for his minutes going forward. Hundred percent coming into a match is a really different beast. You really have to hit the ground running and. Uh, it, it's just like dancing. Like if you jump in on the wrong beat, then you're never going to catch up. And Elney, I think definitely struggled in those roles at times this season. So it's nice to see him getting time from the beginning of the match, getting starts and showing what he can do. And clearly, uh, he's capable of getting goals in the box. It looks like he's the type of player, um, like a, a Brandon Allen type in terms of the way that he approaches the striker role where he he doesn't necessarily need to, to dribble in the box and look to open up space. He's very quick. He looks like he's got 
uh, a, a poacher's nose for goal. And that could be a very good thing as, as they head down the stretch, especially when teams kind of clue in on a guy like Barlow and the danger that he represents. It gives Elney a little bit more room to operate. Um, Rito back in the starting lineup for this match. He's been gone for a while, but uh, Reese Buckmaster we'll talk about in a minute moving up to the first team. That means there's going to be minutes available. Uh, and from what we've seen of Rito in the past, it's been good. You know, there's been moments where maybe uh, he could be a little bit defensively irresponsible if he's forward in the attack. But he's got a great motor, and I think just his energy on the back line sort of feeds the rest of the team at times. Yeah, as I mentioned earlier, he create. You know, he he's. I think he's very good going forward. I think he his pace presents a lot of problems for teams, and he helps create a lot of chances. He won. He won Red Bulls to a lot of corners. Uh, there was a lot of cro- cro- uh, nice crosses into the box. Unfortunately, uh, Barlow or Barlow couldn't get on the end of, or nobody can get, or any other player can get on the end of. But I I do like him going forward. I want to see a little bit more from him defensively, but. Uh, as opposed to, you know, I think he's a little bit, um, I don't think he's as good defensively as Reese, but going compared to Reese going forward, I think he's a lot better. Yeah. And I think, I think he's got enough recovery speed to really cover some of his, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Inefficiencies defensively. Mm-hmm. So I think he can get away with it sometimes. We've seen that out of some other players that have been through the system before, um, but I think he's, he's got enough of the, the physical tools naturally to kind of weather the storm when things get bad. Uh, let's talk man of the match. Who you got? Hmm. I'm going to give it to Sebastian only, uh, getting two goals, making team of the week. Um, I think that's, I think he had an impressive performance and, uh, I think he's deserving of, uh, player of the game. Fair. I agree with you. Uh, we didn't even talk about the second goal, uh, there is a Vincent Bezicourt free kick. It's about the weirdest goal, I think. Maybe not the weirdest one we've seen this season, but it's it's definitely a weird one. It, it looked like it was straight out of FIFA. It's saved kind of off the post. It bounces off the goalie's leg and just kind of dribbles across the line. <laughs> Elney there to clean it up. Look, it's opportunistic. Uh, you know, I think almost any player in the world can score there, but you still got to be... Uh, this smart kind of player to run in and follow the shots in. And we've seen that from the Red Bulls too on numerous occasions. So it's good to see it again here. Sebastian Elney, you're our man of the match. Uh, I touched on two of these topics already, but we're going to talk about them anyway. Reese Buckmaster signed to the first team. To me, this is a slam dunk signing. And I look at the reactions around social media and I have to roll my eyes because all year long we've been hearing about how the first team needs uh, wing back depth. Yes. Because Connor Laid isn't good enough anymore. That has been the, the refrain online for months. And they sign wing back depth, who's <laughs> capable and has potential and could become a regular starter. And there's still complaints about it. Because he's from Red Bull 2. This team is such a weird lightning rod uh, when it comes to to players moving up. Because the whole point of this team is to develop these types of players where they start off as depth options and slowly work their way into regulars for the first team. But for some reason, that's offensive to fans. 
<laughs> and it's really hard to wrap my head around it. But I want to get your take just first base level of, of Reese getting the, the call up with the first team. I think it's a good, I'm happy for him. I think he's put in a lot of good minutes with Red Bull 2 this year. Uh, I think defensive, I mean, I know he's not the fastest guy, but I think positioning, um, you know, he saw it over the weekend. He, you know, he, he, the nerves, I think, got to him early on, but in the second half, I thought he was rock solid. Uh, I thought he played very well, and I think uh, you give the coaching staff a little bit of credit for adjusting him and maybe calming him down a little bit. But he's, you know, it's he's still he's still developing. He's not going to give you a lot going forward as of right now. But defensively, I think he's he's he was one of the better defenders on Red Bull Two this season. And to be fair, yes, I agree that he's not going to be uh, a dynamic presence offensively right now. But also in this match. Chris purposefully wanted to be a little bit more defensively responsible because of how they've been getting beaten over the last couple of games where uh, the wingbacks are out of position and it unbalances things. I actually wrote an article about it. (laughs) I will, I'll believe in my own ego uh, that uh, Armis must've read my article and agreed. It's not the case, but um, so he wanted the guys to stay back and we didn't see him get forward much at all. What we did see is him pinching in a little bit uh, to help cover some of the problems that were happening in the midfield, which then led to problems outside. Uh, but overall, glad with his his debut. I think the the hater aid is far too potent this season amongst Red Bull fans. But this is a great signing for the first team, and uh, I will hopefully get to watch them eat their words. It's one of my favorite things to do is to watch people eat their words. (laughs) So so we'll see. Um, The other one that we talked about was Marcus Epps out on loan now with Memphis 901. I get the sense that this is probably the end of his tenure with Red Bulls. Just based on a couple of things, and we've touched on it earlier in the season, you know, he came into the year as a depth option with the first team. He has pedigree with playing uh, Bethlehem Steel and Philadelphia Union. The Red Bulls kind of tried him out. It doesn't seem like it worked out. It doesn't seem like they expect him to continue to contribute uh, at the first team level, which is where it's going to be most important. And when you look at the Red Bulls 2 setup, Having a guy like Epps who doesn't necessarily have a future with the Red with the uh, the MLS Red Bulls, it's hard to justify keeping him on the payroll. And by that extension, it makes sense to kind of cut ties at this point and give minutes to guys like Elney and Ben Mines, who are still young, uh, and the team wants to see more from. Yeah, I mean. It, it, it's. I mean, he was brought in as a depth signing, and he really didn't see too many minutes with the first team this year. Um, and like you said, I mean, they, you know, they, they was, he was brought in to be a depth guy. He's been with Red Bull 2 most of the year, and I think they want to give more minutes to some of the younger guys, guys that they brought in. Maybe they want to see what they have. So, I mean, un- unfortunately, it's just, it's just part of the... It's just part. It's just how this team works. If the, you know, they just if uh, if they really don't see a future for you, they just kind of loan you out. And I don't really think we're going to see much of them. Which is a shame. I really like Epps. He was one of the best interviews we had this year. If you did not listen to that episode, 
I highly recommend going back and listening to it. It's a great story about uh, his coming up through soccer and sort of the, the journey that he's taken. Highly recommend that. Definitely give it a listen. Marcus, uh, in the words of sad animal uh, commercials, I will remember you. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> uh, last bit of news before we take a break. Uh, Sebastian Elney, two goals in this match. He makes the team of the week for USL. Uh, great to see. I think it was it was well-recognized and uh, hopefully a sign of things to come. So, Sebastian. And that's it for our first segment. When we come back, we're going to be talking to Matthias Jorensen. So, stick around. And we're back. We are speaking with first-year striker for the New York Red Bulls and the New York Red Bulls 2, Matthias Jorgensen. Matthias, thank you so much for coming on. Of course, of course. I appreciate it so much. So a couple of big weeks for you for the club. The team is doing very well. Uh, things are, are seemingly clicking into place. I feel like most of the times that I've spoken to you this season – you know, we focus a little bit on on fitting in, but uh, I, I think it's appropriate to go over that again. How are you feeling uh, as of now? How do you feel in terms of being settled? Yeah, of course. I think like I grow every week. Like I came to training. Like I think like every week. Like I'm a new like style of player and fitting more well into the system every week, and that's. That's good because, like, in the start, it was very difficult for me to to get the transition well. But um, I think right now, like, it's going quicker and quicker, and that's that's what I like most. And it's much easier to to come to training and do what you love every day because it's going well so far. So fitting in, I I imagine you know you're a young guy coming to a new country. Uh, obviously, there are some expectations around your signing that probably played into it, but it had to be difficult, you know, at least right away. Did you find it difficult? Yeah. Yeah, like, uh, difficult is not, like, the word I'm thinking about. Like, sometimes, uh, if you can be uh, a soccer player, you just have to, to to take the steps and you just have to, to close your surroundings around you and just think about yourself, your career, and your club you play in. So I think like it was difficult, yes, because there was many expectations. But but I was thinking like I'm taking it in my step and my my tempo, if you can say that. And I was just like thinking about about what can I do? Like I'm 18. What do I have to improve? And what does the club want me to do? And um, yeah, just try, try try to help the club as much as I can with my specialities at the pitch. So so I think like it was difficult, but. I think most of all, like I've learned from when I was in Denmark, there was a lot of expectations when you're playing and you're not playing. And it was just like, try to close the surroundings around you and then just focus on yourself and your club. So, Yeah, that makes sense. Did you have those sort of conversations with the coaching staff uh, of what to expect in this first year? Um, yeah, in the start, we was like... Um, 
we were talking a lot, like also about the transfer and everything, like in the start when when the the move has to to be clear. But but actually not that much because we we have taken the the step in 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 a yeah every week we have taken a, a new step and to see how how where I am in my process and. For me, the start was like very fast, maybe too fast because I had like three months, three weeks in Denmark uh, before I get over here, and I was training with myself and tried to get my physique in um, in mind because I couldn't train with any club and I just had to to wait for my visa. And um, but when I came over, like I was training in two weeks, and they already took me into the roster for the Mexico trip and that was fast for me but you know and when you're a player and you're young your patience is not that good so you were <laughs> just like happy for to, for getting too quick in the roster and to getting the debut so fast and the week afterwards getting the debut in, in the MLS was, was quite big for me and um, I was getting a lot of like time in the start and maybe, maybe you can say afterwards it was too quick because I haven't learned like everything about the transition, but um, yeah, you can always think you can always think back. But I was I'm just thinking about trying to keep my focus forward and then don't think about what happened. And that's what makes most sense in my my mind. Well, yeah, and I imagine you know even even if it wasn't as smooth as as maybe you had hoped, that that's a big learning experience to to have gone through that for the first time. Or or yeah, was it the exactly first time? Like, yeah, like the transition was the first time like out of the country, but I have already made a transition in um, in Denmark so far when I was uh, two and a half years ago. I went from my, my club I have played in seven years for in, in Denmark, moved to, to another club in Denmark and moved away from my from my family when I was 16 and then tried to, to, to stay on my own feet there and then um, it well, it went pretty well, like the two years I have with my new club. So, so, so the transition was not new for me, but out of the country, it was new for me. And I think the type of playing, like it was much easier in Denmark because, like you know, every team in Denmark and you know how they fit in. But try to get over the Atlantic and try a new type of league and everything. That was a little, a bit of difficult. But um, yeah, of course, it was difficult at the start when you're when you're thinking back. Yeah, yeah. So, well, you know, you mentioned your youth career in Denmark. I'm going to say this name, and I'm probably going to butcher it. Usually, the the folks who have listened to the show for a long time get a kick out of me trying to pronounce names of teams from other countries. I apologize if I do this poorly, but is it Hundested? Yeah, Hundested. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Like you're so close. Like. Uh. Like I, I feel in, good that in Denmark we we have we have a lot of letters and we don't say them. So <laughs> it's more smooth, but it's also my 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 last name and my name like it's so difficult for everything. I try to learn like I only think it's Danny in the squad who can mention my name, and the other is just wrong every time they try. But they oh, try. No. <laughs> so have, how would you pronounce your last name? The for the time. It's in real Danish. It's just like Janssen. Janssen. Ah, okay. Yeah. All right. You, do, you don't say the G and you don't say anything, but but ah, now now my 
my expectations to everybody say Jorgensen is good. It's good. I can't understand them, so that's, that's the best way. Well, that's, you know, I got to imagine that's kind of weird that you, you got to just roll with the punches of everyone saying your name wrong all the time. <laughs> yeah, like it's, a, it's just like every time like people are hearing about Denmark and hear about the language, they just like, they give up like after one word because it's so difficult <laughs> to learn. Yeah, fair yeah. So uh, talk to me. When did you start playing? How old were you? I was like, I actually think that you can first start in Denmark when you're three years old. But actually, my dad, he was like a a coach in my childhood club. So he took me when I was two and a half, like close to three years. So a little bit before three years, I was actually trying up to, to kick a ball around. But in the start, my dad was telling me like, I was escaping from the ball all the time and was thinking about all the other things than focus on the soccer. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I grew up like um, when I was three years, you can say that, I started playing in my childhood club. And when I was 10, then I moved to another club uh, called Nordsjælland and I was there for seven years. And that was like big seven years for me because it was a big club in Denmark and it was like... Um, they try to to get into the young academy in Denmark and try to to see how how far you can go as a as a pro in Denmark. And it was like my expectations when I went from my childhood club onto Nordjylland. It was like try to I was in my mind clear about I want to go to Sugarway and see how long I can go. And um, yeah, it went pretty good in seven years. And then I find out it was the right step to take the the next step in. Um, in Denmark to another club to to try to to get some other eyes and another club to to see some uh, see my see my um, type of playing um, with another eyes on instead of just the same as seven years and um, that was helping me a lot and I had a lot of success my my two last year in uh, in Odense so so that's actually my my career so far and then over here. Yeah, fair. Uh, did did you have the same kind of qualities all throughout the time that you were you're coming up through the the football world? Yeah, I always scored goal. Like, um, always have a, like a, you call it a goal nose in Denmark. Um, mm-hmm. Always like living on my speed. And I was like when I was much younger, then my speed was like the big thing. So I could run past every defender and score a lot of goals. And when I grew up, then I could see like the defenders getting quicker and quicker and it was not that easy to, <laughs> to get around them but it was like before I was a little bit younger so um, I should try to to develop my technique as well and then I played in Nordsjælland and they play only at turf so um, that was good for my development and I learned to play um, a lot with the feet and we were just a ball possession team so um, my qualities had always been the same like from I was a little kid like running with the ball, running out of the goalkeeper, traveling in a in an empty net and scoring goals and like to to get on the ball and try to, to set some up and could could have it in, in the in the net at the end. So it has always been the same like. Yeah, fair. What uh what footballers were you watching growing up? Who who were you idolizing? Oh, who my who was I was idolizing like I've actually I actually like seeing a lot of the Danish Superliga, and when I was younger, I see 
a lot of these players, but but I'm not like having this big idol because I think like when you look at me, I'm so skinny sometimes, and people say he can only run. And I was actually thinking about I'm like a different player from everybody else, and I'm actually looking a little bit about my my own way and myself. But in in newer time, I think about Marcus Rashford and in and Mbappe and PSG like. They have a lot of speed, and Rashford is not that have thin legs like uh, like me, and, yeah. and can do things with the ball and still like try to to keep the defender away. So, and I'm a big Liverpool fan, so I was watching a lot Woo-hoo! of Liverpool. So it was <laughs> like it, it it was so like um, difficult for me to say like I actually like that Marcus Rashford. <laughs> it was so difficult after he scored against Liverpool in his debut and then whoa <laughs> yeah fair so my dad has always been a United fan so he was like quite good with it but uh, I'm always my me and my uncle we were watching the Liverpool final in 2005 against Milan that comeback final and I've been the Liverpool fan since then so very interesting that, uh, that has been like yeah every time like me and my dad we are watching the Premier League and always defend each other and try to fighting against each other because we, <laughs> we, we, we have uh, our own team. So <laughs> I, I can very much relate to that. Not with, with soccer, but with my dad and football, we always had different teams yeah. and would fight okay. about that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, sometimes you don't have to, to be agree with your dad. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> it, it made it more fun. It, it made it fun for us to have yeah. our own teams to see who would win those matchups. Yeah. Yeah. I see. So how does he feel about your success so far? And my dad has been a big progress in my whole career because, like, I think, like, most of the days, like, people young in Denmark in a great culture, people are, are growing up with their parents, like, protect them so well. We, sometimes we call them curling kids, and I'm a curling kid on my own because it was a big, uh, when I moved from my childhood club to the next club, there was, like, one hour drive, and... And they they drive me a lot and took like some days off um, from work because they could um, could drive me and try to to see how how long could I go with my my soccer and um, and my dad has always been that dad like if I score five goals in a game he was always like I was so happy when I get out to the car and he was like you can do this 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 uh, you have to be progress and you have to see that and I was like okay then I was getting the feet on the ground again instead of just being too high. So he has been like very, very good for me to every time like seeing if I could be so frustrated and then put the blame on, on other, then he was like good for me to say, seeing around what can you do on your own? And then instead of just blame other, and then, then it has been good for me to, to keep that, um, that development in my mind and had been, the way I grew up, that has really been successful to me for me and um from now and I think right now he's like he's proud of me, of course he is and um, but he's still like the good guy the good guy for me to talk with because like sometimes I can see the coach is a uh, yeah, you know what, and uh, because he's not taking me in the squad and sometimes you always have that when you're when you're a soccer player, you're not like you you what are you saying? Yeah, you you need you you love to compare. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you saying? Compare? Yeah, yeah. With um, with other and um, he's good to talk with when he when when he's like every time setting two ways up. What can you do and what can they do instead of just say 
every time put the blame on on others. So that has been good for me every time to be to be patient, to be humble, and um, yeah, see how it goes. And yeah, I know he's proud, and you know, like I can achieve more than I achieve now. Which of the two of you knew that you were going to be a professional soccer player first? Oh, I think uh, I was 10 when I moved to Nordjylland and when I was getting 13, they were getting academy so they could um, compare school and soccer um, at the at the same place. And when they offered me the, the what are you saying, the the way to, to get into the academy and could could play and go to school at the same time in the professional club. And it was like my way to, to say, okay, this, that's the way I'm going to when I was 13, I think. And it was, it was the start, yeah. That is excellent. Uh, this has been fantastic. Before I let you go, I'm going to have to subject you to the lightning round. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. It's going to be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Popcorn, yes or no? Yes. Star Wars or Star Trek? Uh, I don't know any of them, so... Like, <laughs> That's okay. It, it, it's a no for both. <laughs> <laughs> How about Marvel or DC? Uh, what is DC? DC is, is like Batman and Superman. Uh, I think I will go with the DC. There you go. That is such a rare answer on this show. Let me tell you. Everybody's always going for Marvel. Uh, Super Mario or Sonic the Hedgehog? Super Mario, of course. Who That's is my childhood, whole childhood. <laughs> yeah, of course. Who is your favorite team to play as in FIFA? I think I probably know, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you say. Uh, yeah, actually, you're going to be surprising. Like, I'm not that Liverpool guy in oh, FIFA. Okay. I'm like... I really love to take some of the really dribbling kings, like take PSG or Real Madrid or something. Like I really love that. Like they have Neymar and everything, and you can do, yeah, you can piss off your opponent all the time. Like so, that's what I love. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. That makes perfect sense. And uh, this is the last one. I call it the Derek Etienne Award. Who is the worst dancer on the New York Red Bulls two? Oh, like. Actually, like, I'm not looking like the only guy who's dancing, and I'm not saying he's dancing sometimes, he's dancing all the time I see at him, is Kyle Duncan. <laughs> so I would think like he's going to win the prize for the best dancer and the worst dancer at the same time. Okay. He's going to do that all the time. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, Kyle, yeah. congrats. <laughs> yeah, uh. congrats with that. Like, I love that, and sometimes like it's too much, but but it's okay. It gets some fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, Matthias, thank you so much for coming on. This has been a, a blast. Thank you so much. Thank and, you. I appreciate. Of course. And when we come back, we're going to preview the match this weekend against Hartford. So stick around. And we're back. Final segment time, guys. And that means previewing the match against Hartford Athletic in Hartford this weekend. Now, originally, I wanted to go attend this match. I'm not going to be up there, and I'm very sad about it. Gary Redman is going to be covering this match for us, though. So if you're in Hartford and you're there, you 
give him a shout. Say hello. Hartford is 4, 15, and 4 on the season. Youch. However, they're not in last place, and we'll get to that in a moment. They are 2, 3, and 0 oh in their last five matches, so you know they look like they're they're starting to get a little bit uh, of a groove together. Not exactly. The, the two wins are on opposite ends of three losses, but it's still an improvement over earlier in the season. Their wins in, oh, sorry, at home, they are two, five, and three. Their wins in those five matches came against Indy 11. That's right. Indy 11, who was pushing for first place, lost two to one to Hartford. So before anyone dismisses this match or looks at it as a, uh, a, a trap game, Hartford isn't that bad. They've been playing well recently. They also just beat Bethlehem Steel 3 nothing this past weekend. A real hurting for the Steel. They lost in the middle of all these close matches. 4-3 against Swope Park Rangers, who is bottom of the table now. Charleston uh, Battery, 3-2. And Pittsburgh Riverhounds, 4-2. So, you know, they didn't just roll over and, and take those matches, but... Uh, obviously those aren't necessarily particularly strong teams and they really got wild done. The leaders for goals scored Jose Angulo. We talked about him previously, former Red Bull, uh, former uh, FC New York. Uh, he's got four goals on the season. Harry Swartz, Mads Jorgensen, or Jorgensen, now that we know <laughs> the right way to say that. Uh, Hugh Dixon, uh, Wojcik Wojcik. Three goals. Uh, Max Steves, Philip Rasmussen, two. And Dan Bedoya, another New York Red Bull 2 original. And Logan Gadula have a goal apiece. Bedoya also leading the assists uh, for Hartford. He's only played in eight matches so far, and he's got a goal and three assists. Uh, with him, Hugh Dixon, uh, Wojciech Wojcik, Raymond Lee, they all have three assists. Then Kyle Karinga and Jose Angulo have two. John Kempin, the goalkeeper, Max Steves, and Sebastian Dalgard each have a goal apiece. Hartford, we've mentioned in the past, they they're defensively they're poor. They really struggle. Teams that can possess the ball can absolutely pass through them. The ball on the ground really gives them problems. Uh, low crosses and uh, looking to break lines with with passing seemed to do the trick against them. Last time out, Red Bulls, I mean, this was not a close match by any stretch. Uh, If you guys remember, because it was way back at the beginning of the season, uh, this was just a a sort of horror show uh, for Hartford. It was in the midst of a great run uh, for the Red Bulls, and they just whooped on Hartford 4 nothing at home i'm gonna say barlow had two goals in this match i'm gonna verify now nope uh barlow had one this was uh, barlow had one Derek etienne had one jared stroud and chris lima all had goals i think this is the one where lima scored from uh quite a distance out yeah that's, yep, yep yeah is this the one where barlow also the goal was credited to him but it looked like it was really deflected in I believe so. <laughs> uh, good times. The team has changed a little bit since then. Um, Kempin really isn't playing for them anymore. Uh, I forget the name of the new goalkeeper. 
Obviously, Dan Bedoya is a big part of the success that they've had recently. His passing in midfield has been, you know, key to the way that they've been able to get some of these results. They have a talented attack, but they they really rely on uh, getting on the break and looking for those opportunities. Uh, if Bedoya is shut down, so that's one place where I think the Red Bulls too can really maximize um, the game plan and. Look, I know it's Hartford at home. They haven't played uh, particularly well home or away. Uh, but this is a game that is 100% in the Red Bulls' hands. But it's going to be all about focus and getting the job done. Joe, they win this match. It will be their, I think, their fourth road win of the season, which would surpass the road wins in each of the last two years, if, I, if I'm uh, remembering correctly. What do you expect to see in this one? I think it's going to be a tightly contested game. Uh, I think I think uh, Hartford is playing much better than they were earlier in the season when these two teams met. Um, I wonder uh, if Red Bull 2 might be um, looking towards that game against Pittsburgh um, next week. Uh, I think it's a little bit of it I don't want to I think it's a little bit of a trap game for them uh, because they're on such a good run and Hartford's coming in yes they did beat Bethlehem um, but they are playing a lot better uh, and I think that they're gonna have to be aware of this they you know we saw in their last road game against Memphis they had a two goal lead and they were you know they kind of got in their own way at the end not marking Brandon Allen on uh, the second half on both of his goals so they're gonna have to be focused in this game especially if they grab an early lead yeah their last two matches by the way uh st louis and tampa bay rowdies both shutouts both two nothing yes they've got uh pittsburgh next week but it is a jam-packed uh couple of days for for the red bulls too so from august 10th over the next two weeks they have four matches uh, and it's gonna be it's gonna be tough for them to keep it up. They get a break between the Pittsburgh match and the the Nashville makeup date, but they they really had to jam this schedule. So they've got Hartford on the tenth. Four days later, they've got Pittsburgh. A week later, they've got Nashville away, and then three days after that, Swope Park Rangers away. In that time, I mean, look if you look at that and you just say, okay, this is only gonna be six points. That's good, not great, but they should absolutely beat Swope Park and Hartford. They they need to get those results. Pittsburgh at home is another um, promising proposition, but Bob Lilly, you know, his teams can really trouble the Red Bulls too and have even this year. And then Nashville away is that makeup match. They took control of that match early, but really gave it away. So that's going to be a tough one. Uh, and it all starts with this Hartford match. They need to maximize points. He, yes, they're in a good spot right now, but if you look at uh, the standings underneath them, you know, Indy is breathing down their neck. They have games in hand and kind of control their own destiny at this point. So that's going to be interesting to watch as the year uh, ends. Nashville, depending on how results shake out, they're, they're winners of their last three, so they could be creeping up by the time uh, Red Bulls get there. They've got Hartford as well 
uh, tomorrow night. Uh, then Bethlehem Steel, then Charlotte. So they've got their own sort of uh, difficult road ahead of the Red Bulls match. Uh, for them, it's two weeks, four matches starting tomorrow night. So it's going to be very, very interesting. Red Bulls need to get this win. Let's get a prediction from you, Joe. Hmm. I'm going to go with a 2-1 Red Bulls 2 win. I think that's fair. I'm going to say that this is a little bit more lopsided. I'm going to call it a 3-0 victory for the Red Bulls. It'll be their fourth win on the road this season. It'll set them up very nicely ahead of the weekend. They get this win, and uh, if somehow Tampa Bay drops a result to Birmingham, I mean, that's going to be an amazing stretch (laughs) heading into a very, very busy period. Um, okay, three nothing. I yeah, I feel good about that. I'll be wrong, but I, I feel good about it. I remember <laughs> what I predicted last week. Did I say two nothing again? Uh, I think you said three one. Maybe. Yeah, or maybe that sounds about right. <sighs> anyway, so we both predict wins. New York Red Bulls two make it happen. Don't lay an egg. <laughs> we expect to see you. Climbing that table once again. Um, let's look at the Eastern Conference. Tampa Bay Rowdies at the top with 46 points, followed by the New York Red Bulls with 44. Then Indy 11 with 40, Nashville 38, North Carolina 37, Pittsburgh 35, excuse me, uh, Louisville City 33, Ottawa Fury 33, Charleston Battery 26, and St. Louis FC 25. Just below the line, you have Charlotte and Birmingham Legion and Beth Steele. They are all within three points uh, of 10th in the East. Then it starts to get a little bit wider. Loudoun United FC and Memphis both tied on 19 points. Atlanta United 2 on 17. Hartford and Swope Park Rangers on 16 and 15, respectively. Atlanta United 2 is... uh, Laying an egg again. They're having a a rough (laughs) year. From where the Red Bulls are in the standings to where Swope Park is in the standings is 30 points. And I think, or it's just about 30 points. It's 29 points. I think that is a tremendous accomplishment from John Walnick in this side. In that unbeaten run right now, in the last five games, the Red Bulls are 4-0-1 the only team in the East without a loss in their last five matches. I think. I think that's pretty impressive. Pretty good. Tampa Bay would probably be there too, but they lost to the New York Rebels too. Woo! (laughs) Out West. Oh, wait. Do you want to make any predictions? We're getting getting down to the nitty-gritty here, but there's still a lot to play. There's 12 matches for the teams that have played 22 um, but most most teams have 14 or more matches remaining. It's a little bit early to kind of be looking at the playoffs, but mm-hmm. Charleston and St. Louis are, are the teams closest to the line uh, uh, above it, and Charlotte, Birmingham, and Bethlehem are under. Which of those fi- of those five teams, which are the two that are going to make it by the end of the season? I'm going to say Charleston, and I'm actually going to throw a surprise. I'm going to say Birmingham. Yeah, all right. I think, although, although actually, Loudon, 
one thing not mentioned about Loudon, they've only played 18 games, so they're kind. They have a lot of games in hand that they True. could make up. True. So, uh, I'm going to say Birmingham for now, though. For teams that have a lot of games in hand, I tend to think that like they don't necessarily uh, climb a whole lot from their position because they're going to have a lot of uh, congestion True. during the week. So we'll see with that. Of those teams, I agree with Birmingham. I think that that they've been playing really well over the last couple of weeks. They're three, one and one uh, in their last five matches. And they got wins over North Carolina FC and Charlotte in that time. They also, I mean, just absolutely destroyed Atlanta United too, but I mean, that's everybody's doing that. Uh, but they also drew against Ottawa Fury. And th- those are four really nice results over the last four weeks. And if they can keep up that pace, I think th- I think they're a tricky team. I think they're going to sneak into the playoffs. St. Louis really never rebounded from that that early fall from Grace, so I think they're the most likely to be clipped. And the battery have been inconsistent, but they're they're getting results against the teams they should get results against. So I think they'll be able to stick around. Out west, things continue to be a little crazy. Phoenix Rising, forty-seven points. They are now the team with the most points in the league. Congrats, Joe. Uh, <laughs> Reno, 1868, 44 points. Fresno, 40. Austin Bold, 33. Seven points between fourth and third. It's pretty crazy. The top teams in the West are really, really not looking back. Uh, New Mexico United, also on 33. Real Monarchs, 31 points. Sac Republic and OKC Energy on 30. And El Paso Locomotive and LA Galaxy 2 on 29. LA Galaxy 2, you got to give them props. A really, really strong showing in Phoenix, but uh, giving up a very, very late goal. Could have earned at least a point there. Uh, Sad for you, I am. Below the line, the Portland Timbers 2, who had been doing pretty well this season, they are 0-4-1 in their last five matches. Uh, Eek. They're falling hard. San Antonio FC and Orange County, each on 27. Las Vegas Lights, 26. Rio Grande Valley, 23. Colorado Springs, 20. Tulsa, 19. And they, I mean, they're in a really terrible stretch as well. And Tacoma Defiance, still hanging out around the bottom. 3, 13, and 5. 14 points on the season. They are now officially the worst team in the league. (laughs) (laughs) For now. We'll see how that goes. Out West, uh, we talk about this every week. From 14th to 9th, they're separated by 3 points. 14th to... um, uh, Let's see how I... I guess 14th to 4th are separated by... um, Seven, seven points so that's still i mean a ton of teams that are in the race in the hunt to get those playoff spots who do you think from new mexico oh, this is such a huge list austin <laughs> new mexico monarchs sac republic energy locomotive los dos timbers Two, san antonio orange <laughs> county and las vegas of that group, who's the one that, or who are the the ones that are going to miss out? I think it's better to do that than, than to try to guess who's going to okay. be. Okay, um, Galaxy, uh, Los Dos, Portland Two, uh, OCSC, Vegas. Yeah, uh, we'll it. miss out those four. 
Perfect. Yep. I uh, I agree with uh, Vegas and OCSC and Timbers too, but I think you're going to see the. Uh, I think you're going to see San Antonio climb. I think the team that's going to drop off though is El Paso. They've done well, but they've really been struggling of late, and uh, I think they're going to end up under the line at the end of the season. We'll have to see. But you know what that means. That brings us... What does that mean? ...to the end of another episode of Raising Bulls. <laughs> we made it to the end. If you want to follow us on Twitter, I'm at underscore Joe Goldstein. I am at Jstein15. And if you want to follow the show, and we hope you do, we are at Raising Bull Cast. That's one bull, Raising Bull Cast. And of course, that's on Twitter. If you want to follow our written work, you can find it at rbnn.us, the Red Bulls News Network, RB News Network on Twitter. All of our written work is there. Please come find it. Give it a view. We got lots of good stuff. A whole bunch of new writers uh, are coming on over the next couple of uh, weeks. So be on the lookout for, for new content or new contributors, rather, and new con- content. Um, you can find us at facebook.com slash raising bulls. You, you can find us at raising where we post all of our episodes. And of course you can send us questions to questions at raising questions. Anything that you want to know about New York Red Bulls too, ask us here and we will tell you, or well, most of the time we'll tell you, we'll try to tell you we're on iTunes, Stitcher, Google play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We are there. Find us, rate us, review us. It helps. And we very much appreciate it. We're part of the beautiful game network at BGN.FM. They cover MLS, USL, Premier League, and NWSL. They've got a ton of great shows like the Old Glory Red Report, St. Louis Soccer Report, Texas Soccer Radio, The Unused Substitute, Tornado Alley, The USL Show, Backyard Footy, and so much more. They've got a ton of great podcasts, a ton of great written content. Anything that you want to know about USL, you could probably learn it there. Please give them a a shout or a check at bgn.fm. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Golden Gold Press, the best choice for you to get custom shirts, hats, mugs, and other items for just yourself or your organization. Check out their amazing products at a fraction of the price of other places at goldengoldpress.com. Last but not least, we want to thank our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier of MLS, USL, and U.S. Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. For myself, for Joe Steen, for Matthias Jorensen, thank you very much. Have a great night.